1: The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome, everybody, and welcome to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world works, that's right. So let me welcome you all, every one of you happy warriors, you eager devotees of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, spiritually grounded in everything that is life-affirming, devoted to your faith, your families, your finances, and your friends, your country, knowing that you can triumph over those who, whether intentionally or unknowingly, are busy with their misdeeds promoting a dark abyss of satanic, secular socialism, along with all the many social pathologies and evil results that it generates. When I promise to reveal how the world really works, it's in the hope that you will help defeat those pathetic creatures of modern secular fundamentalism, Those orphans of history who possess neither Christian fortitude, or Jewish fortitude for that matter, nor even pagan ferocity, which would almost be welcome. Those hideous hermaphrodites running our media, education, and government bureaucracies, who possess neither the strength of real men nor the intuitive wisdom of women, But oh, what damage they do manage to inflict. Never fear. Here on the Rabbi Daniel Appen Show, I solemnly commit to transform timidity to triumph. Together, let's replace our diffidence with determination and displace the divided councils of doubt with the steady eyes and firm hearts of those who just like us know where they are going and know how they are going to get there. We strive for success first with our families, then our finances and our friends, after which we will be ready to take on the formidable task of saving our frighteningly fragile civilization from those who would force us to surrender our freedoms and our souls to the whims and dictates of those who consider themselves to be our superiors, our elites, our betters, our bosses, and our rulers. But before we change the world, we have to change ourselves. Before we make the world a better place, we have to make our homes and businesses better places. And then our efforts and our dreams become leveraged, and together we can achieve so much more. The two sure ways of building a bridge over the dark abyss of mortality is by building a family and by building your finances. Today in this show, I am going to give you a gift. I am going to impart a tried, tested, and true technique from ancient Jewish wisdom. One, that if you start practicing it now, you will no, not might, not perhaps, not possibly, but you will see a change in both your family and your finances. But before that, I have to tell you that uh, for those of you who are regular followers, either through our weekly emailings like thought tools or ask the rabbi or susan's musings those of you who listen to the podcast those of you who watch the tv show maybe every day uh, you probably know that uh, now even now as i tape these words for your edification entertainment education and general overall delight I am actually just a very short distance from Niagara Falls. And I saw Niagara Falls the other night for the very first time, 48 hours ago. I saw it for the very first time. I've got to tell you that um, it may be chic to pretend to be blase and indifferent. It may be fashionable to affect a nonchalance, but I was blown away, totally blown away. Uh, You know, I'm I'm generally a creature of the West Coast. I'm I'm comfortable on the West Coast, Um, everywhere between San Diego and British Columbia. Uh, Alaska, a little less so, not so much, but – but uh, as a result of that, I've not really – you know, when, when I'm on the East Coast, it's usually been for, for business, for a speech, for an appearance, and uh, I've, I've usually not uh, taken the time to do any, any additional touring. But on this occasion, um, in as much as uh, I was going to be a scholar in residence, a speaker for a uh, Passover Freedom Conference – uh, in the Niagara Falls area, uh, Susan and I thought, you know what, we really have to uh, take the opportunity, just let's take an extra day or so to do a little bit of, of seeing. Well, uh, some of you know already that I am undergoing, I'm, I'm <laughs> experiencing, I have been experiencing in the last month or two, a bit of an infatuation with the Erie Canal. It's, um, it's so much more than I ever realized, its impact on American history uh, it's it's a, as a monument of human achievement, all so much more than I anticipated and so much more than I understood. Um, I, I never even knew that it connected two of the the large, beautiful lakes in New York's Finger Lake region, um, you know Ithaca area, the Syracuse area, uh, Watkins Glen, famous and hallowed to ardent fans of motor racing sports like me uh all the erie canal can absolutely all amazing look i was far from blasé about it. i was really impressed but a little did i know that um when i saw niagara falls it would uh, almost push all of that out of my conscious awareness and literally uh, focus every microscopic morsel of my sensory apparatus on the stupendous sight and uh I have not seen it from the American side. I, I've only seen it from the Canadian side, and that was it was in the nighttime, as I say, just a few hours ago, but uh, I am planning, God willing, to, to go and see it again um, in the daytime before I leave this area in the next few days. And uh, uh, and on the Canadian side, you are right there, maybe on the American side too, I just don't know, I'm ignorant on that, but uh, the power of the Niagara River flowing, and and I was able to walk along the embankment for about a hundred yards along the river uh, to the very lip as it cascades over the edge, and then another hundred yards, and then sort of look back at the huge column of mist rising and the thunder of the water cascading over the edge down onto the rocks beneath. I must tell you, I could not tear myself away. It was really quite remarkable. And, uh, you know, it wasn't an intellectual experience. It's not that I now want to tell you about uh, how much water flowed over the edge and there shouldn't be a water problem anywhere in the United States with this volume of water just flowing into the St. Lawrence River and seaway and out to the ocean. I mean, no, it wasn't that sort of thing. It was just a – well, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, those of you who are uh, religious folks will know what I'm talking about. Those of you who aren't uh, will – probably at least be able to relate to it as well or understand it, I spontaneously found myself uh, saying uh, prayers of praise and, and, and gratitude um, to, to the creator for, for a view, for a site like this. My goodness, quite absolutely remarkable. And uh, on the more intellectual side, what I am hoping to achieve in the, in the short time I have free Uh, is I would also very much like to visit at least one of the two giant hydroelectric power stations that utilize water from the river here and generate uh, a considerable proportion of the electricity used in uh, the Quebec area of Canada. And I think also the... uh, uh, this part of, or, or the, the part of New York State, close to this as well. Anyways, uh, enough of enough of the travel log. But those of you uh, who know me will know that uh, I truly was <laughs> completely overwhelmed. Okay, uh, so now back to what I said was going to be a real gift to you. Um, something which is from ancient Jewish wisdom. It's a tried and tested and true technique. And, and it's something which I can absolutely assure you will change both your financial and your family destiny. In other words, if, if you are not married yet, you need to know this. If you are married, you probably need to know it even, even more. What am I talking about? Well, uh, how about I do a I'll, – I'll do this. Uh, quick break and i 'll launch right into it just as soon as we come back okay uh, the, pod, uh, the uh, website if you don 't mind rabbi daniel okay rabbi daniel uh, that way if you're not yet receiving uh, a regular email from us, you might want to do that you may want to at least give it a try apart from anything else uh, it lets you know of any changes on schedule whether it 's Changes to podcast appearances, anything else like that. If you want more information on the television show, it's right there. If you want more information on uh, how to ask a question on the Ask the Rabbi feature, all of that at rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this fairly close to its uh, date of release, um, for you, there is a special discount code uh, usable on our website for something called our library pack. And the library pack is the the complete works of Rabbi Daniel, Lappin, and Susan. Uh, It's books, it's audio CDs, it's video stuff, and all of it comes in a great big box, uh, hours upon hours upon hours of instruction in the practical uh, application of ancient Jewish wisdom. It's called the library pack. And if you use the uh, code PASSOVER, P-A-S-S-O-V-E-R, PASSOVER, uh, at the, the website, you will be able to get the library pack with uh, 15% off and also free shipping. So all in all, it's a, a great opportunity to, to get hold of everything. If you already have some of the stuff but not everything, it still makes sense because uh, it's, the price still is going to be less than getting stuff piecemeal. And it gives you stuff to gift away to other people. I'm just saying. All right. Quick break, Rabbi Daniel Lapin. That means I'm your rabbi, and I'm going to be back in just a moment.
1: More to come from Rabbi Daniel Lapin, revealing how the world really works. On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. If you're in the market for a new mattress,
2: casper.com slash rabbi should be the next website you visit. Casper created an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's one perfect mattress, and it's sold directly to you, eliminating the need to endure one of those commissioned salesman mattress stores with inflated prices. Casper is shipped for free right to your door, astonishingly delivered in a sleek how-did-it-fit-in-there box. You just let it unfold, and there you have it, one of the most supportive sleep surfaces ever designed, hassle-free. Casper is made in America, and Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Breathable latex and memory foams are combined for just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights free, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Right now, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rabbi. That's casper.com promo code rabbi. Terms and conditions apply. casper.com slash rabbi.
1: With stories in the areas of family, friendship, faith, and finance, this is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. And uh, we are back here.
2: I am Rabbi Daniel Lappin, grateful for the opportunity to be sharing with you here on this show. And what are we talking about? Well, as always, I speak about the fact that the more that things change, the more we need to depend on those things that never change, and one of the things that never changes is this basic idea that people mistakenly work with, namely that your mood is your mood. So people will sometimes say, "I'm just not in the mood for that." Right? Uh, it's um, it's it, it's common. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm so, you know what I'm in the mood for. Or, I'm not in the mood for that. You get that a lot, right? Or uh, um, somebody says, uh, uh, you know, let's, let's go and do it. No, you know what? I just don't feel like that. I'm sorry. I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like that. Or, uh, you know what I really feel like? And my response always, and I know this sounds harsh, and you say to yourself, Boy, am I grateful that I didn't get born to be his child, to be raised by him. That's probably what you're thinking right now. But uh, my response to that is, excuse me, I I didn't ask about your mood. Or, uh, you know, I I understand that how you feel is of supreme importance to you, but it really isn't important to any of the rest of us. Wow. Really? Really? Well, it may be a little bit of an exaggeration to make the point, but, but yes, uh, I am trying to build a business. I bring in associates, I hire employees, and I pay uh, obviously well because otherwise people uh, of that caliber wouldn't come to work for me. And then I discover that comes Tuesday morning, and one of my key people is sitting at the desk vaping. (laughs) Do you know what vaping is? Uh, Vaping is a very interesting thing. It's an alternative to smoking. Um, It provides many of the things that addicted smokers uh, require from cigarettes or cigars, but uh, with considerably fewer health risks. Uh, unfortunately, the Obama administration imposed uh, quite ridiculous uh, regulations on it, um, and I, I must admit that uh, the only explanation I can think of it is that they were pressured to do so by some group of activists. I can't understand it, because if, if you want to get large numbers of the population to quit smoking, this is really not a bad way of doing it, and I say that because the vape, the vapor produced by um, call it a little vaping machine um, is considerably less offensive than uh, than tobacco smoke and uh, less problematic in every way uh, and um, it dissipates very quickly so so really no reason uh, for it not to be there I I speak as somebody who just recently learned a little bit about it from a, a friend who uh, is in that business, and I was, I was astonished not to have known about it at all. I think it exists mostly in the sort of the fringes of the culture, maybe, but, um, but I, I think that I am something of an enthusiast of this technological development, which really makes it much, much easier for people who do want to get off tobacco to, in fact, make that uh, change. Anyways, back to the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm running my new business startup. I'm working very very hard. The challenges are formidable. And I come in, and Tuesday morning, one of my key employees is uh, sitting, gazing into space, uh, puffing smoke from her vaping machine. And I say, hello, uh, you know, we, we need that spreadsheet finished by lunchtime. Are you done with it already? And she says, you know what, I'm just not in the mood to work. I just, I, I need, I need uh, some thinking time. I need a little space. And my response to that, I have to tell you, is not uh, sensitive. It's not accommodating. Um, it's not, uh, it's not warm and fuzzy. Uh, my, my response, I have to tell you, is that's not our deal. You and I have an agreement, The agreement is that I pay you regularly. And when payday comes next Friday and I tell you I'm sorry I don't have your check because I just didn't feel like I just wasn't in the mood to do payroll. Would you accept that? No, I don't think so. And I don't accept this either. I understand we all have challenges in our lives of one kind or another. Uh, I've spoken about this in, in one of my resources. It's called, in ancient Jewish wisdom, it's called Egypt. We all have our Egypts. We really do. But I want you to leave it at home. And when you give me the hours you contracted to give me, I don't want you to bring a bad mood. I don't want you to bring destructive feelings. None of that belongs. We have to be professional. We have to... Uh, engage our actions, not our feelings or our thoughts. we got to do what we have to do, regardless of the mood we're in. Okay. So uh, that, that is, is what I expect in a business, and that's what, what anybody who runs a successful business expects, and that's what any professional person, no matter where you work or at what level you work or what you do, you take pride in your professionalism, which is regardless of what is going on in your heart, regardless of what's going on in your memory, regardless of what's going on at your home or your uh, where, whatever else is going on in your life. Maybe you're, a, you're a, a contestant in a dance contest and things haven't been going. I don't care whatever it is. But during the hours that we have an agreement that I pay you and you do what I need you to do, that doesn't belong there. So feelings are problematic. Uh, How's about uh, somebody, and by the way, as a rabbi, this has happened to me more than once, where um, a man or a woman, it's happened both ways, comes to me and uh, says, I said, Rabbi, I needed to talk to you. This is very urgent. It's it's a huge, huge thing. I said, what is it? Um, I just don't feel that uh, I want to stay married. I, I don't feel any love for my wife. I just don't. And people say this as if they have announced a very simple fact, which is immutable and which we now have to deal with going forward. Right? War broken out. Okay? Just got to deal with it. I just don't feel like being in my marriage. Oh, really? Oh, okay, fine. Then I guess uh, we have to start working out the details of a divorce. What? Since when are feelings that important? Now, I, I realize, I mean, obviously I'm aware that we are all human beings, and we all have feelings, and we all think our feelings as not only important, but in many ways we are—we have slid into a comfort zone where we allow feelings to govern our life, to shape our actions, uh, and above all, to shape the face we put on to the people around us. Uh, we're 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 very accustomed to doing this, and and so here am I. I realise um, being a little bit uh, aggressive. On the topic, and and perhaps exhibiting inadequate sensitivity, um, which for which I'm I'm so well known, uh, the, the the warm and and fuzzy uh, qualities that blur the edges of a sharp and cruel world. I mean that is what you come to me for, obviously, and I know that. And and I might be betraying those principles just slightly by being uh, extremely sharp-edged and uh, laser-like clear, if I can, uh, on this idea that uh, that feelings don't shape reality. They are there, I understand them, and I have to learn to cope with them. I'll give you another example, worry and stress. Right? I, I wrote a very important thought tool on that, If uh, and I strongly recommend it, by the way, if, if you are somebody who finds that you're very susceptible to worry and stress, uh, then please go to rabbidaniellappin.com and uh, go to that website and uh, look up on the tab uh, teachings or thought tool. What you want is the thought tool, and you want a a recent thought tool. In fact, as I am taping this show, it would be the most recent thought tool. And uh, uh, I'll tell you what it's called. Yeah, it's uh, you go to rabbidaniellappin.com, and then you go to uh, teachings, and then you go to Thought Tools, and it's called From Stress to Salvation, a Passover story. From Stress to Salvation, a Passover story. And uh, it's, it's, it's all part of the same discussion, right? The idea that stress and worry is a feeling. And uh, there are many of us that, that tend, you, you heard somebody say, I'm just a worry. I'm just a real worry. Well, stop it. It's bad for you. It's bad for your health. It's bad for your finances. It's bad for the people around. It's no good, right? If there is a problem, you've got to do your best. You've got to try and solve it. But having done everything you can do, at that point, worrying doesn't make it better. So learning to control our feelings extends across the entire spectrum of human existence, whether it's the worry and the stress end, or sometimes it's... uh, uncontrollable exuberance where uh, where one uh, falls in love and is ready to make all kinds of decisions which may not all be productive and positive on this irrepressible bubbling feeling of enthusiasm you know people call it feeling in love all right well careful careful because not feelings are not always intended to shape and sculpt your reality feelings actually have to be controlled really I don't feel in love with my husband anymore I don't feel anything for him I actually feel something for somebody I just met at work right a a person a supervisor that I report to I feel something for him all right fine you don't feel this you do feel that none of that is relevant we have to talk about the action you are going to take or not take, which is the right action and the action that is going to produce the best outcome. Right? We don't always simply salve our feelings by going with the flow of the feeling. No, we don't do that. So what do we do and how do we do it? Let me explain coming right back. But first of all, the website, rabbi daniellappin.com. Rabbi daniellappin.com. Uh, please make sure you are on the mailing list that you receive the, the thought tools. Uh, if you didn't receive this one on stress recently called uh, From Stress to Salvation, a Passover story, you can read it on the website. But it's honestly, I think you'll be missing stuff. It's really quick and easy to hit delete, right? If, if a thought tool comes and you say to yourself, yeah not useful to me, then next week's probably will be. Uh, But this one, just delete, get rid of. Better than not having access to it all. And and here's the thing about thought tools. Uh, People have often asked me, how long does it take me to prepare speeches? And I'm sure you know the answer. Uh, The answer is not original to me. It's original to Winston Churchill. But uh, I've experienced it myself in my own profession. And other speakers have experienced exactly the same thing. And it's absolutely true. And uh, it's something I'm experiencing this week because I'm uh, on duty. I'm doing a lot of teaching and a lot of uh, uh, speeches. And uh, you, you give me a speech, an hour speech, and it doesn't take me that long to prepare, right? It might take me uh, two hours to prepare. But how about if I've got to give a ten-minute speech? It takes me much longer. It does. Uh, similarly with writing. I'm, not, I'm never going to say writing a book is easy. Heaven knows I, I struggle. Um, it, it's not easy for me, and there are very few gifted people, uh, some of whom I know, for whom it is easy to write a book. But uh, writing a book for most human beings is not easy. But uh, it is easier than writing a, uh, a, a, you know, a typical book might have, say, 60,000, 70,000 words in it. Uh, typically, um, some books, 100 and 120,000 words, somewhere up there. But um, write an article of no more than a 1,000 words, and you sweat. Obviously, it doesn't take as long as writing 100,000 words. It's 1% of the length. But it's much harder than it is to write a 1,000-word chapter of a 100,000-word book, if you see what I'm saying. You know, I tell you all of that because I want you to know that we put in a great deal of work to make sure that the concept and the principle and the usable application idea of a thought tool is quick and easy to read and absorb because I cherish your time almost as much as I cherish my own. And uh, and so rather than writing a a 2,500-word piece, which would be easier for me and use more of your time, we work quite hard on making sure that it doesn't go beyond – a thousand words. We try and keep thought tools seven hundred to a thousand words. It's not easy, but when you read them, I think you will see that they are concentrated, high octane juice. That's uh, th- that is the concept. Anyway, it's at RabbiDanielAppel.com. Use if you're listening to this close to the time of its uh, publication. This show, uh, the the uh, uh, coupon code of Passover. P A S S O V E R. Uh, will still be active and give you a 15% uh, discount off the price of a library pack at the store on rabbidaniellappin.com. That's me, your rabbi, back with you
1: happily in just a moment. Ancient solutions to modern problems. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the
0: Chris Salcedo Show.
1: Can you believe this president? He looked the other way when the Russians invaded U.S. ally Ukraine and stole their land. He brokered a deal that guaranteed that Russia's ally Iran will become a nuclear power. And this president even mocked the idea that Russia was our geopolitical foe. (laughs) Wait a minute, that's not Trump. That was Obama. I wonder why the so-called press isn't reminding us of these things.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Rabbi Daniel Lapin On Demand. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Back again with me, your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lapin.
2: Thank you very much indeed for listening. And uh, those of you who write in, uh, comments either on uh, the website at com uh, or on the SoundCloud uh, listening uh, website, uh, <clears throat> much appreciated. And those of you who share the podcast and encourage others to join the show. I really appreciate that as well. Obviously, it is in my interests to have a larger audience, a growing audience, which we're blessed to be enjoying right now, which I really appreciate. And uh, ultimately, it becomes valuable to you as well, because the resources that can be put into the show increase as the listenership continues to increase as well, obviously. Okay, so uh, uh, the, the value of controlling feelings. Okay, well, have you ever worked in a, in a job, in a workplace, in an office, a factory, any kind of work environment where your superior or your supervisor or one of the bosses uh, was susceptible to moods? Have you ever had that? Right. I have, and what happens is there are people then who need to communicate something to that individual who won't do it because they are just plain frightened of going in while she's having a bad mood or while she's in a bad, stormy uh, situation. And everybody knows it, right? When that uh, boss walks in, people say, uh-oh, watch out, he's in a foul mood today. Isn't that terrible? Can you imagine – now, I've never actually tried to do the mathematics of quantifying um, how much money it costs or what percentage of potential uh, revenue or growth in a business is lost by a supervisor, a manager, a boss, an owner uh, who is not in control of his moods and his feelings. I don't know, and I'm not even sure. I haven't thought about how one could even uh, um, compute it. Uh, how one could uh, apply the metrics, I, I simply don't know. But one thing I do know, without a shadow of a doubt, is it, it costs growth. It costs revenue. It costs money. No question about it. And if you are the owner of a business and one of your supervisors, one of the people, one of your managers, one of your directors, is somebody who is susceptible to moods and feelings and, and you know, every few days or every few weeks in the office he's in a stormy, foul mood, get rid of that person. He's costing you money. It's not good. It isn't, right? Because at its very most basic, as I said, at its most basic, uh, information isn't flowing up the chain. And the most valid and important information in a business comes from people on the front lines. And so you really need to encourage everybody in, in your business who is out there on the front lines. And I think, again, at the time I happen to be recording this, uh, I would say that uh, folks at the top in United Airlines are uh, not really doing a lot of listening to the folks who are uh, dealing with passengers on a day-by-day basis all the time. And, and this, is, this is true for so many other businesses as well. Uh, one of the reasons information doesn't flow up the line, and uh, it's, it's listed as in the top three reasons is because people are nervous about provoking uh, an angry or upset response from a supervisor. And so they don't convey the information. Obviously, very destructive. If you are in a supervisory mode yourself, you need to ask yourself, to what extent are you not getting information? To what extent are you not getting cooperation based on the fact that your demeanor frightens people, intimidates people, makes people uncomfortable, you really have to ask yourself. Now, again, I will recognize that there are certainly times in management uh, where you need to radiate displeasure, but that must be done on a calculated basis, not as the result of -of out-of-control feelings. Our feelings must not flow like the Niagara River over the falls, Right, that's immutable. That's happening. Nothing's going to stop that. But our feelings, very often, should be reined in, regulated, controlled, often completely uh, diverted as well, because these things are destructive. Okay, um, marriage. Yes. Do you know what a gift you give to your spouse by radiating an upbeat, cheerful, happy disposition? Right. It's impossible all the time. Right. But I have seen marriages, as I'm sure you have, I hope it isn't yours, certainly not mine, but I've seen marriages where the general default condition of one of the spouses is a a face that, that just looks like it could spot well steal. It's so unhappy and miserable, angry. And you realize that for that person... The, their, their spouse is like walking on eggshells. They're, they're living an unpleasant life for fear of setting off their spouse. Right? You've got to make sure you're not that person because one of the fabulous gifts you bring to your marriage is radiating happiness and optimism the bulk of the time. But what about times where you're just not feeling that? Well, as I said, if you knew how to control your feelings... Wouldn't you want to? It's enormously important. Let alone not even paying attention for the moment to the incredible destruction that can come when we surrender to our feelings. Not even talking about that. I'm just talking about how important it is to not allow our feelings to constantly dictate what goes on around us and that the people we live with should not be subject to the pollution of our feelings. And that's really what it is, right? Uh, People worry about pollution, well let's worry about this kind of pollution where other people have to be terrified that your feelings that are unpredictable come popping out. You see, in a business environment, and for that matter in a family environment as well, uh, there are rules, there are regulations, there are rituals, that's one of the values of ritual. Uh, where you can anticipate the, res- the kind of response you get. Now, you know, living with a father with a temper, you know, sometimes uh, alcohol plays a terrible, terrible role in this as well. Uh, and many people talk about having grown up with a father who, who had an out-of-control temper. You know, imagine what it was like for your mother to live with that. Certainly it was horrible for you as a child to grow up with that. A temper is just a manifestation of not being able to control feelings. I feel angry, therefore it's necessary to let it out. And have you heard people saying as if this is some kind of pus beneath the surface that'll um, imperil your entire being if it doesn't find release? It's as if somehow people believe that their entire bodies will explode into a thousand smithereens if they don't let out those feelings of anger. It's nonsense, complete rubbish. Because once you've learned to suppress the feelings of anger it becomes much easier to do the next time and the time after that until you reach a point where you are not somebody who is susceptible to anger. Right? You may, you may feel uh, bothered and upset by something, and your response is you don't work it with your stomach and get ulcers. You work it with your brain, and you solve the problem. And that's true for stress and worry, and it's true for anger as well. Anger is just another feeling and it's part of ancient Jewish wisdom's principle that feelings are not immutable. Feelings do not rule, okay? Feelings don't rock. Feelings do not have control. Feelings are there to be controlled by us. Okay, and uh, so now... Uh, to the actual crux of it all. How, how do we do it? How do we control feelings? Well, here is the, the principle, first of all, from ancient Jewish wisdom. Um, it is much easier to do something when you know it's possible. I've spoken of this before, right? In uh, May 1953, uh, a man called Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay, these two men, ascended Mount Everest for the first time. Never been done before. What's more, doctors at the time said it could not be done, which is why it is that nobody else did it. But this New Zealand bee farmer and his Sherpa friend and guide accepted that they could do it. They just refused to accept the notion that they couldn't, so they went ahead and did it. How many people have done it since then? A lot of people. More than a 1,000 people have gone up Mount Everest since then. Right? There's even littering... (laughs) on the mountain now there's candy wrapper bars it's a lot of people so why couldn't anyone do it before may 1953 you think the air was different you think the food was different no they didn't believe it could be done as soon as you know something can be done that changes everything and now you too know realize hey i could do this as well so before i even attempt the challenging and daunting task of trying to control my feelings, I need to know it can be done. Because maybe it's just impossible. Maybe feelings are so powerful in us human beings. They're uncontrollable. They control us. And uh, any attempt to control them will result in me flying apart, exploding. Don't even try to control your feelings. It's that dangerous. Maybe that's the situation. And if it is, then no. I need to know that controlling feelings is feasible for human beings. And once I know that, then I go ahead and do it because I know it can be done. How do I know it can be done? Well, very simple. Ancient Jewish wisdom says that uh, the Tenth Commandment says you mustn't covet, you mustn't desire, you mustn't want stuff that belongs to other people. Now, wait a moment. Right? We've already covered in the Eighth Commandment, don't steal so dear lord isn't it enough that you regulate us not to taking that we mustn't take stuff that belongs to other people okay fine i won't take stuff that belongs to other people isn't that good enough no i don't even want you wanting stuff of other what i can't help what i think my thoughts happen i can't help my feelings i uh, yeah i feel i do want that thing the other person has don't even want it Hey, what do you want me to do i can't control how i feel yes you can <laughs> that's the message of the 10th commandment god expects us not only to control our actions that's simple that's straightforward we covered that in earlier ones but when we get to number 10 the peak of human attainment is to control our feelings as well to regulate our thoughts really important, really, really important, makes us happier on every level, and it certainly makes those around us happier. But you can imagine, of course, uh, the perils of somebody who wants something that he shouldn't take. And you say, well, I'm not going to take it. Isn't that enough? No, it isn't. And I'll explain just why and how we achieve this uh, as soon as we come back. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com, okay, rabbidaniellappin.com. Head over there, see uh, what is to be seen, enjoy the array of information that is available up there, and uh, also head over to the store, use the passcode, the coupon code PASSOVER, P-A-S-S-O-V-E-R, use PASSOVER to get a 15% discount on one specific thing called the library pack. Uh, shame not to take advantage of that. You also get free shipping and all of that at rabbidaniellappin.com. Catch up on uh, a recent Thought Tools on how to deal with stress. The Thought Tools is called From Stress to Salvation, a Passover story. Listen to me, Passover. That's not how I normally speak. Passover just shows how easily influenced we are by those around us, all of us. Got to be very careful not to be influenced by people around us unless they're very, very good people. Uh, which, you know, in most of our daily lives probably isn't always the case. So, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lapin.com. I am your rabbi, the aforementioned,
1: and back with you in just a moment. Spilling ancient solutions for modern problems in the areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: liars by glenn beck on sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars
1: rabbi daniel lapin returns with more of how the world really works on the blaze radio network on demand
2: okay we're back the rabbi daniel lapin show and how to control our feelings now that we know it can actually be done we can go ahead and do it okay here is the the formula uh, if you like, this is the theorem that lays it out. If you don't like the way you feel about something or someone, start acting the way you would act if you already felt the way you wished you felt about that situation, person, or thing. Got it? <laughs> uh, maybe you can uh, put your playback on slow, so you can review that. I no, don't worry about it. I'll say it again. If you don't like the way you feel, about someone or something, then simply start acting the way you would act if you already felt the way you wished you felt about that that something or someone or situation, and that's the way it works. Okay, let's, let's go through this a little bit more specifically. There is somebody at work who is driving you absolutely bonkers, right? This person is so awful and so irritating and so horrible, in every possible way, uh, that he or she is making your life at work an absolute misery. Okay, what could you do? Well, you could try and get them fired. Very problematic, right? That's the, the, Those office politics, you know, sometimes you have to play them to protect yourself, but to launch a political offensive in the hope of getting rid of somebody else uh, – Bad use of time, in my view, very rarely is that a good approach to take. Very unusual. Most times it can backfire and uh, it's a no good situation. Okay, fine. Well, in that case, you could quit. You could quit and go work somewhere else. Here's the problem, my friends, and that is that the jerk follows you wherever you go. Of course, not exactly the same jerk, not the same idiot, not the same destructive individual, but it's another one. And so you quit and you move somewhere else, and you discover that uh, there's somebody like that in many, many, many workplaces, somebody like that. So you say, you know, why on earth does management keep that person in? Very often, they aren't aware of the destruction. Other times, they may be aware of it, but from their point of view, he brings so much else to the table, and this is the usual answer. He brings so much else to the table that they think to themselves, you know what? Uh, So he inflicts pain and misery on on all those around him. Tough luck. Uh, Bottom line is we need him. He is too important to the company. And that's the usual pattern. So you are stuck. You know, you either quit and discover the same thing repeats in your new position, or you stay there and you suffer because this person just gets on your nerves. And then you listen to the Rabbi Daniel Appen show on this fine day, and you say to yourself, wait a moment. I know I cannot stop that person being a jerk and an idiot. And I know I cannot get rid of him. And I know that if I quit and go somewhere else, he'll just follow me or somebody just like him. So if I can't do any of those things, wouldn't it be just as good if I could stop him getting under my skin? Wouldn't it be just fine if I stopped him disturbing me and stopped him from worrying me? If I could stop my toxic reaction to his destructiveness, I'm as good as I'd be if I got rid of him. In, in a way, I am getting rid of him, or at least I'm getting rid of the effect he has on me. See, what we're talking about is controlling your feelings, right? That's exactly what we're talking about. So now if we can make your feelings and bring them under your control entirely, so as that the old feelings of frustration, annoyance, irritation anger, fury that he used to generate, now you're able to simply evaporate and extinguish. Hey, we're good. And notice now in the formula that I uh, said a little earlier, I didn't say, so just stop feeling these feelings because you can't do that. Feelings are very powerful. They're very strong. We know that. All of us know that. It actually takes an action to extinguish a feeling or to change a feeling or to modify it. Okay, what is the act? Okay, remember what I just said? If you don't like the way you feel about something or someone, start acting the way you would act if you already felt the way you wished you felt. Okay, fine, I think I got that. And so um, I wish that I felt warmly and positively towards this individual, because if I did, he would no longer get under my skin, he'd no longer bother me, and everything would be fine. Okay, fine. So if he no longer bothered me, then that's because he's a nice person and I like him. Right? That's, that's why he no longer bothers me. That's the only way he'd stop bothering me. He's no longer that same destructive, ev- abrasive, uh, irritating individual. He's now a nice guy or a nice girl. And what would you do then? Remember what I said? If you don't like the way you feel about something or someone, start acting the way you would act if you already felt the way you wish you. Okay, fine. So I wish I felt that this person was a really nice person. But if I did feel that, what might I do? What, how might I act? Well, I, you know, I might actually go out of my way to say good morning and how you doing. All right, fine. Do those things. Here is another thought. Because of the power of feelings and how long, uh, this particular feeling has been gnawing away at your subconscious, uh, it may require something a little bit stronger than a good morning how you're doing. Now, this one is really going to bug you because I'm sure that as I've been talking, you've had in mind somebody that uh, th- this whole thing applies to. And so uh, what I'm talking about is, is going to, uh, to be in itself a somewhat disturbing thing. But uh, I'm going to say it anyway. Get the person a gift, Um, walk in to work tomorrow and hand that person a, um, I don't know, whatever it is, a uh, uh, a set of earphones or a a pen or nothing terribly – it doesn't have to be anything expensive or anything, but something that clearly shows a thought, something that lets you say, by the way, uh, I've noticed that uh, you've been using, you know, one of these horrible cheap old – Uh, pens that you just use once and throw away. I thought you might like uh, a pen. I use this pen. I I find it to be a real pleasure to write with. And then you smile and walk back to your office or your place of work or your machine tool or whatever you're doing. And you leave. Don't even look back. And the person's going to be baffled because he's under no illusions. He knows how you feel about him on some level. I can assure you he definitely does. None of us are such good actors that we manage to conceal that. And now you are baffling him, right? Which is almost worth the cost of the gift right there. And the main benefits haven't even kicked in yet. Now, is this going to change him? Probably unlikely. But what it does start changing is you. And that's the key thing here. That's the key thing to understand. It makes an enormous difference. Folks, the ancient Jewish wisdom principle here is... That for the most part, we feel in accordance with the way we act. This is a tremendous insight. It's contrary to every single article you're ever going to read in psychology today. It's against everything that you're going to hear from every mental health professional who refers to the DSM manual, Uh, but it's true. Our feelings follow our actions. Don't believe me? I'll give you a quick proof. Who loves who more? Children, parents, or parents, children? Uh, I did an easy test on this, by the way. Uh, all this information is, is really easy. It's one of the great things about the United States of America is how much data has been collected. Uh, I did a search in Los Angeles County of um, evictions, and I searched for evictions where the name was the same. What I was looking for was uh, Evictions where the property owner is related to the tenant who's being evicted. And uh, I was looking to see if I would be able to uh, build uh, an argument that more children evict parents than parents who evict children. It's very unusual. Uh, over a period, I think I pulled out 10 years of records and uh, had an assistant go through the research. Uh, I think, in ten years of records, I found one instance of a parent evicting a child. Um, I think it was one it was it was it was negligible. Um, I found over twenty instances of children evicting parents, and it was quite interesting in several of them, the judge had caustic comments to make uh, in one instance for an instance, I remember the judge saying. Uh, The law is with you, speaking to the plaintiff who wanted to throw his father out of an apartment building he owned. Uh, The law is with you, and I have to grant an eviction order, but I think you are a reprehensible human being. That is your father. And the plaintiff responded, But your honor, he stopped paying rent. And the judge was dumbfounded. He's your father. And the guy said, well, yeah, he stopped paying rent. I had to evict him. Um, Children will evict parents. Parents don't evict children. Okay. Uh, Parents love children uncontrollably. Children do not love parents in the same way. Um, Who is it who tends to go to $100 or $200 an hour sessions with a therapist to complain about the other? Do parents spend money at a therapist saying how their children ruined their lives, or do children speak to therapists about how their parents ruined their lives? You know the answer. If you don't, speak to somebody in the therapy business. They make a very good li- living listening to children complaining about parents. Very often, parents are dead. doesn't matter. they they got so much to say about how their parents ruined their lives. but. Just think about it for a second. If, if you're somebody who's raised children or are raising children, <laughs> I don't want to use the word ruin, but, but who actually ruins whose lives? I mean, children come along and all of a sudden, you know, the, the things you could do without thinking are now no longer on the docket. <laughs> you can't do them. Uh, and so if anybody should be talking to therapists about how, oh, my children came along and all of a sudden, you know, my wife and I used to have, three date nights a week and we'd go out to restaurants and oh and, and children came along and bang all of that was gone uh, no it hardly ever happens therapists don't have many parents coming to complain about you know except situations where kids have problems god forbid bad things but ordinarily it's children complaining about parents why is that i'll tell you why it's because parents have done far more for children than children have done for parents Parents are the ones who sat up with kids who had fevers. Parents are the ones who took the kid to the doctor when, they, when something happened. Parents are the ones who drove the kids and paid for the ballet lessons and the speech therapy lessons or whatever else they were doing. Parents are the ones who took care of children. That creates overflowing, boundless love. When you do something for other people, you develop love for them. Okay? Do you get the idea? See where we're going on this? It should be pretty clear now. Act act towards other people the way you would act to them if you really, really like them. And you'll find your feelings start to change. Apart from anything else that baffles them, which is always a good feeling when you know you're baffling somebody who's given you three years of aggravation. But uh, I've given you here the simplest, most beautiful, most elegant, most effective technique for dramatically changing your love life, your domestic life, your family life, your business life, your financial life. Just think about it. You know, people in the sales profession, one of the most common reasons for failure is they radiate their feelings. Listen, your customer, your prospect, doesn't need somebody else dumping on him. He doesn't need somebody else whose face just shows that I better walk on eggshells or you're going to explode or you're going to burst into tears. Just as bad, by the way. I'm not going to talk here about uh, women in management because many women have already learned this lesson. We don't want your feelings. We certainly don't want the idea that you're going to burst into tears. This is very tough on women. I accept it. I understand the problems. I understand women are more emotional than men for the most part, and God bless them for it. We, we live on that, and we, we are nurtured from that. But uh, in business, at work, it is a problem. There is no question about it. Your feelings need to be kept off your face uh, and away from your actions. And being able to do that is gonna dramatically improve your performance in the financial arena of your life, your career, your profession, and it's gonna dramatically change your human interactions with families and uh, friends. A very, very important thing. You got it, right? If you don't like the way you feel about something or someone, start behaving. Start acting. Start doing the things you would do if you already felt about that thing or person the way you wished you felt about that thing or person. Do it. You can't go wrong. By the way, what I'm saying isn't easy, but it can be done. That's the point. Uh, we've shown you it can be done So that means you could do it. Not easy, but you could do it. And if you can do it, it's truly life transformational. That's as far as we go today. So I am your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Please visit my website. Uh, Let's do each other a favor at rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, you can read about my work with the American Alliance of Jews and Christians, if uh, if that interests you. And uh, go ahead be part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin family in terms of us being in touch through that website. That's its primary purpose and I appreciate it. I also appreciate you telling people about this podcast and encouraging others to be part of it as well. That helps me to help you, and I appreciate that very much indeed. Have a great week, everybody. I'm off to look at Niagara Falls. And until uh, our next opportunity to be together again here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show next week, take care of yourself. I wish you a week of good health and prosperity. God bless.
1: The Blaze on Demand. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin.